welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. I'm Marcy. And I'm Dee. We are finding healing after leaving a cult. We will be discussing abuse and personal experience with the ATI, IBLP, and fundamental churches. Trigger warning. This podcast may contain descriptions of various forms of abuse. Please take care for your safety and well-being while you are listening. If the content becomes too much for you to handle, please turn this off. We hope to expose harmful teachings that lead to and justify abuse. With the hope that those that are experiencing abuse can find support and escape from it. Welcome to today's episode of Umbrella Rebellion. Tonight, we are going to be talking about our experience at ATI IBLP's headquarters, where Marcy and I both met. I guess her, since my experience was a little bit less than Marcy's, I'm going to go ahead and kind of just give a rundown and we're just going to have a conversation. If she, you know, has any questions, she's just going to interject. We have not planned this. We have not scripted this. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just verbatim. (laughs) Whatever comes to our head. Follow the rabbit trail. Absolutely. I like the rabbit trail. Sometimes they're really good. We kind of left off in my story, like leading up to how I got into headquarters. I had had somebody from ATI IVLP either a men's meeting and I was kind of trying to think about it the last couple of weeks. Um, and I kind of think it might've been the, um, what is that? Children's ministry? Uh, the children's Children's Institute. Institute. Yeah. Yeah. I think it may have been people that had come down for the children's Institute because I do remember at some point we were going to schools and presenting the the children's institute so it may have been around that time and they may have been like staying with us or something okay we were host family that would be very possible i think the person that you told me um talked with you guys about coming to headquarters would have been in that area okay so that makes sense for the children's institutes or um even there was also another program for um the character qualities that they were Mm-hmm. Uh, pushing with schools. So if mm. they were, there, if you were sharing with schools, then it might've been the, um, the character qualities thing. I forget the name of it. That's the one. Yeah. I just yeah. don't remember the name of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I character, I don't, I don't remember, but <laughs> my town here had it. <laughs> they had big signs. They sent out these big signs that you could post. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was crazy. So, um, so I th- I'm pretty sure that's who was at our house and we were, you know, hanging out and talking about all the different programs and stuff and, you know, got to talking about, you know, my desire to help young girls who are troubled because I was a troubled girl. I think that was like 2000, must have been like the beginning, middle of 2002. Because then I finally wound up going to headquarters in probably, I think, October. October of 2002, because I stayed through till January. Okay. So um, I was there for three months. It was interesting because I had my own car, and I was driving myself up there. But my dad and my brother were going up to the Northwoods. So they kind of, like, followed me and, like, delivered me there. (laughs) 
<laughs> because you have to be escorted. Because <laughs> it's not like you've lived overseas by yourself and survived just fine. <laughs> right? I mean, like, yeah. I went to South Korea. Right? <laughs> and you have to be escorted to it. And I had to be escorted up there. I don't know if that was just like, well, let me make sure you get there safely because you're going to Chicago. Um, or <laughs> there again, South Korea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like I managed to get home on a plane during mid tour leave because the base I was at had a, a they had commercial flights that flew out of it. Uh. The plane broke, and so I had to get myself from the base I was at to Seoul, Korea. Um, mm -hmm. South Korea, because, and, and we couldn't take any base stuff because the base transportation only goes to other bases. So uh, we had to go into the city, uh -huh. find a bus that was going to Seoul. It's all in Korean. And there was like a group of us, thank God, because we were all like, <laughs> you know, some of us knew, some of them knew a little bit more Korean than I did. But, oh man, we just got on the bus and we're like, hope this is going to Seoul. <laughs> I've been there. I've done some overseas trips like that. And it's always an adventure. <laughs> it is, it is. And we got there and we were fine. But, you know, like I can navigate my way in a foreign country through a foreign language and but going to chicago chicago is scary <laughs> well yeah i've been there i've been there since and it's you know you just stay out of the rough neighborhoods <laughs> yeah exactly you just don't drive there <laughs> kind of like new orleans it's kind of like new orleans you know maybe a little bit worse <laughs> let's see um so we drove up there <clears throat> i remember driving down the street right past like the headquarters building. And there was this big field on the right hand side. And I was like, my first like introduction to headquarters was a group of guys and girls playing ultimate Frisbee on in the field. And I was like, they, they play sports together. Like really? That's interesting. On special occasions. And the girls did it in skirts. <laughs> yes, they did. They were all in very, very long skirts. Um, and so I was like, okay, that, that's interesting. So I don't remember like exactly how it happened, but I do know at some point I walked up to the group of people playing and they offered to let me play. I'm like, I've never played Ultimate Frisbee in my life. How do I play? I think we played Ultimate Frisbee for a little while. My memory's a little bit like spotty on headquarters because I was only there for a little bit of time. And then mm -hmm. after that time, it was when I had a lot of trauma in my life. So a lot of those traumatic events kind of took the place of some of the <laughs> memories. So I can remember, I think I went to Indy twice. One I know was for counseling seminar. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually have a picture. Was this so. when you got after you got to headquarters, or was yeah. it was it okay? All right. Yeah. So at some point we took a we took a trip over there. I don't even remember if anybody came with me from our house that we lived in. What I do remember is that I was working in the kitchen. Um, then we had I don't know like fifteen girls living in our house. 
Yes. So were you at Brook Manor? I was at Brook Manor. Yeah. So there's there was always about 15. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, this is the most amount of people, women I have ever lived with in my life. So um, that was, that was such a weird setup. <laughs> really dorm was. life, honestly. That's what it was. It was dorm life. I mean, to a certain extent, but it's yeah. like you had a whole entire house and common areas where like when, when I was in the dorms in the Air Force, it was either a bunch of rooms and then you might have one kitchen like in a three-story building, you know, yes. and then in other newer bases, they had like a kitchenette in between two rooms. Ah. And, and so, um, just it, so yeah, having 15 people in a house in like different room, it was, it was really weird. So, yeah. um, it's almost like a, a house share thing, you know, it was, a house, yes, it was. Did you know that was their former printing, um, printing building? I may have known that, but I don't remember. Yeah. So before they before they moved into the large building where they had the whole print shop in the lower floor and the basement floor, that building was used for their print shop. So they redid that whole lower where the kitchen was. Yeah. All of that was their print shop, and they had offices above um, when it was much much smaller. Okay. The organization was much smaller, so they had re retrofitted that to house people. <laughs> ah. That makes a lot of sense with the layout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I remember like <sighs> a few things that I remember from there is I had my car, so I had freedom, but I was always really afraid to like go a lot of places and do anything because I didn't really know all of the unspoken rules yes, about where you could go. <laughs> Say that again. There were a lot of them. Unspoken rules. Right. So, I mean, I know I couldn't go to the movies. So, and it's like, I think we went out to eat a lot. Yes. Yeah. That so, was literally the only thing we could do for, for entertainment. Right. Or the grocery store. <laughs> I used to take a whole load of girls to the grocery store. Cause most, most everybody there didn't have a car. So to have a car was, was unusual. Yeah. It was, it was not crazy. common. Yeah. I remember... Oh my gosh! I think it was for your birthday. We blind really? we blindfolded you, and I think somebody else and took y'all out to eat. Are we blind? No, you were driving because you okay. were the other person that had a car. So we blindfolded yes. some two people and brought them out to dinner. It was I was like one of the first times we ever went to out to dinner, and I was like, okay, that was fun. Let's was that? Were you in on the on the birthday party that uh, we kidnapped them? I from think the, so. From the, okay, okay. So yes, so that's a fun story. We should come back to that because that that is that was the perfect description of what we did for fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, we blindfold them and we took them to dinner. Um, we kidnapped them from choir practice. No, no bells. They were doing bells. Oh right, right. Yes. I remember that. And then like, I remember, I think it was for Christmas. We had like gone to different people's houses and I don't remember what we did. It was some kind of game or something scavenger hunt. I don't even remember, but I remember like just this weird feeling of like, okay, I'm going to the guy's house and we're going to do something. And this is weird. This doesn't feel like it, it flows with their whole, you know, culture like 
Okay. You can't talk to each other and you can't, you know, like date, but we're going to make a game about y'all going to each other's houses. It was really weird. And that bizarre. sounds really strange. I don't remember that, but I mean, I'm sure if you talk more about it, I might remember what that, what the context was of that, but I, that is really odd. Yeah. I remember we wound up at Brook Manor at the end of it and we were like playing ping pong with the guys. Huh? Yeah. Huh. I wonder how they got that approved. <laughs> Somebody in very good favor asked. Right. Yeah, they were right. a favorite at the time. Yeah. So, and I think it was a Christmas, like it was like the whole premise was us doing something for Christmas as a staff. Okay. So I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, and then, so, I mean, it was like, it was really hard to understand like all of the things that were kind of like taught in the basic life principles course through the wisdom booklets and then you come up to headquarters and it's a little bit of that plus these really weird situations where you're like well that doesn't necessarily fit their teachings mm -hmm. hmm interesting you know and it's like well if you can do this, then why can't you do that? Like, it was just this whole, like, bizarre world of, like, how does this work? I don't understand this world. <laughs> yes. I imagine coming into a cold turkey, not having had much background in it already, would feel really bizarre. Because, um, yeah, because it even felt a little weird for me. And I had been grown up in the program. Um, but not that weird. <laughs> I right. imagine that, was, that had to be pretty bizarre. Um, did you do, I guess in 2002, so also in 2002, this is going to rabbit trail us, but um, we would do staff meetings on um, Saturday and Sunday nights. I remember the staff meetings on, I think, Sunday nights. I don't know about Saturdays, but Maybe I do Saturday remember. Maybe they didn't do, but Sunday night they did. I thought they did it both weekends. Uh, they may, but yeah. I do know that Gothard would come to one of them. It was probably Sunday night. A Sunday night. Sunday night. Yes. So that's what I was going to say was at that point, um, Gothard's teaching had gotten really left field. So it was not in line with what all the wisdom booklets were saying and, and a lot of what we had been taught growing up. It had gone just haywire. Like he had it was like this crazy things that he was teaching about and so power that's of the spoken also, blessing and the yes. ramas and, out yeah yeah and they had they had gotten increasingly bizarre over the last probably i would say the last year before you got there and um so that's probably why they didn't jive with the curriculum either was that he had kind of taken a nosedive into the crazy yeah Right? Yeah. Outside um, of it normally was anyway. <laughs> right, right. It was it wasn't the the um status quo crazy. It was new right. crazy. Yeah. Yes. So um I remember also we had morning meetings. Mm -hmm. Or at least once a week we had morning meetings. No, it was every morning. It was every morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was like I remember at one point there was like a testimonial where you were sharing and I was like, okay, I'll be honest. 
I was hoping that some dude would like notice me and be like, hey, I think she's cute. So of course I'm going to make myself be known, right? And I'm like sharing this story. But I was like, I should have totally changed the story that I that I shared because I basically was just like, I'm tainted and I was in the Air Force and I'm like nothing you would ever want. So don't even bother. Like that was basically like looking back now, it's like what I shared was like, you know, I was trying to be like, well, God changed me and I'm this desirable person now and I'm all whole and I need a husband. Please somebody, you know. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. I really thought I was going to find a husband there, but no. no. <laughs> I think that probably a good portion of the girls that went up there thought that too. And a lot of them did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even, yes. Even with as strict a policy as they had against it, um, there were a lot of pairings. There were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's funny. And, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because I mean, honestly speaking, ATI didn't, you didn't really have any option outside after high school. Women didn't have an option to go to. We weren't allowed to go to college or it was, it was looked down upon. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, our purpose was to get married and have children and train them up in a godly way. So, um, the real purpose of being there was to serve until we got married. Right. And, um, and this was an obvious place to meet like-minded men. So, right. Boys. And people and men who were interested in serving and yes. ministry. And so you're like, well, this is the perfect place for me to go to meet a guy. I mean, that wasn't like my main focus, but it was like a side note, right? Yeah. I think that's probably what it was for most, most girls too, was a side note. You're supposed to serve happily until you found someone and, um, you know, always hoping that maybe that person's going to be in your path somewhere. Yes. And, it, and since we weren't, since most of us were pretty isolated at home and, and in very strict churches our the pool of possibilities was really slim. Yeah. So this was a large pool of possibilities. <laughs> there were more fish in the sea there. Yes. Um, but being an older student, it was, you know, a lot of, guys weren't really my age or like the older ones had yeah. been there for a while. So they had already either paired off or gotten kicked out or, <laughs> yeah. or they weren't interested. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, yeah. So my, my whole plan to, you know, <laughs> find a ministry to, to serve in and also find a husband didn't necessarily work. But I was only there for three months. I, I mean, I'm glad I went. Um, you know, I my two of my aunts came up while I was up there. We went and toured Chicago. I got to see some of the sites. I remember Joy and I, Joy was at the head of the kitchen when I was there. Her and I went off to um, Chicago one day to find something that we needed for the kitchen. Or I don't remember what it was, but it was like an errand for the kitchen, right? And so I'm like, okay, I have a car. Let's go. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and then we wound up we wound up at Starbucks and you know I was like, oh, this is nice. It's kind of nice to get away. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those were such sweet treats when you could get away to do things like that. Um, so I have a question for you. When you said that you were interested in working with girls, troubled youth or troubled women, you know, girls, did you feel like that you were 
brought up to headquarters under false pretenses as far as did they tell you there's opportunity for you to do this there or to learn about it there and then when you got there you were in the kitchen um i've heard that story from multiple people yeah we kind of touched that about that on one of our episodes already um that mm -hmm. i knew i was going to be working in the kitchen okay. but it was under the pre pretense that I was going to get connected with the right people and get the training that I needed to be mm -hmm. able to move forward and work with, I think there was actually a girl's home somewhere in the South that okay. I, I, maybe Colorado, I don't remember exactly, but um, like that was my goal. Gosh. Okay. So another memory that I just had was we went to one of the, oh, I, don't, I can't even remember. It was like an upholstery place. Okay. I don't know. Like they were doing upholstery and it was like, almost like let's tour one of our ministries people's oh, houses. Um, there might've been a small offshoot. Like a lot of those small offshoots happened quite often and they would die out pretty quick, which is probably what that girl's home thing was. Right. So, um, it was kind of like, almost like opportunities for people to learn a trade kind of thing. And like, I remember it was almost like we went to a farm or something mm -hmm. and I don't remember who all went, but I know it was like a bunch of us. And then I know one time we went on a hike, mm -hmm. can't remember where. Starved Rock? might have been and gothard spoke you know and um, yeah. i have i actually have some pictures of that that was a yearly thing that they did it was like a uh it was always in the fall we went for the fall foliage and it was like a um like an all-day trip they bust everybody out there it was like a staff picnic day mm -hmm. we didn't have to work that day it was a yearly thing that they did and it was at a like a state um park called mm -hmm. Scarf rock yeah, that kind of sounds familiar. Yeah, I mean, other than that, um, just hanging out with some of the girls in the house was about all we did. We would stay up and talk, and then you would go and work, and, you know, weekends were spent, like, walking to the little downtown area and, you know, the little in shops. Oprah. That in, yeah, in Oprah. Hinsdale? Y yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in Hinsdale. So, yeah. So, um, I know I, like, I used to rollerblade a lot in the neighborhood, but other than that, I mean, I was, I was there for such a short time. I wound up, um, for Christmas, there was some siblings that lived there and one of our housemates lived up in Duluth, basically drove them home, dropped off them and then went up to Duluth. And uh <laughs> with one of the housemates and spent Christmas mm -hmm. with them. Cause I wasn't going to drive all the way home for Christmas. No, or no. I didn't have the, the money really to spend on a flight. So, um, yes. and I think for Thanksgiving, I went to Ohio with, yeah. So I, I got to go and do some really cool stuff that I wouldn't have been able to do had I not been there. I met some really amazing people a lot of us lost touch for a long time and then found each other on Facebook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and that with a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It was in. Okay. So the other thing I think that really did not 
sit well with me. And this is kind of like the last really like distinct memory. And it bothered me for so many years is there was a young girl that was living there with her sister. Mm -hmm. She may have been 12, 13 years old. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Anybody who was there with us would know who we're talking about, but I don't want to share someone else's story. So, and I remember her and her sister and I believe her sister was 18, 17, 18, 19 at the time. So she was a little bit younger than myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 21. Yeah. Okay. I think 21 at that time. I recall them going to counseling with Mr. Gothard and his office was right across from where we lived. Mm -hmm. And there was several occasions where the 12 year old girl was there by herself Mm -hmm. and it didn't sit well with me because almost all of the teachings that we've ever been taught through ACI IBLP and the fundamental churches I had been in was never to have the appearance of evil. Yes. Right. So if a man was alone with a woman, that would be an appearance of evil. And I was like, so it's okay for him because he's this leader of this group. And, but everybody else is supposed to follow this rule, but him. And I was like, this doesn't sit well with me. And it bothered me for so many years. And it still bothers me, I think, to this day, just Mm -hmm. because. And then especially after all the Recovering Grace stuff came out where, you know, I was reading story after story of Gothard being inappropriate with girls and, um, you know, sexually assaulting them, you know. Um, So I was like, I, I, those two girls, I had a special place in my heart for. And like when... I put the pieces together. I was like, if that, excuse my French, motherfucker, touch those girls, I want to rip his throat out. Yes. So, yes. and yes. that was my, that was my thoughts. <laughs> like when all those pieces came together, I'm like, that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was, that was pretty much my reaction when, when, um, when the lawsuit came out, I knew that there was, I knew there's probably more to it than I knew about and that, that was probably pretty bad. But when the lawsuit came out, that was the first thing, this, these same two girls, that was the first thing that came to mind because my half of that story is the way that the houses were set up. They had kind of a den mother. So it's called a house leader. And um, it was whoever had been there longest would kind of work down the ranks. And the longer you'd been there, the more, the higher you were in that ranking because I had been there for, you know, three or four years um, there weren't there that many people that had been there that long. So I was like second in that hierarchy. So assistant, if you would, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that was a title, but anyway, second or third there. So that house leader came to me and said, look, don't say anything to anybody else, but if they stay over there longer than 10 o'clock at night, you have to go get them and don't let Mr. Gother tell you no you go get them and you bring them home. So um, under the pretense that these girls were underage and needed to be doing schoolwork during the day, but they also wanted them to help like do service projects. And so 
they they were tired. They were children and they needed more sleep. And then he would keep them over there for till 10 o'clock at night doing counseling. And they weren't getting enough rest. They were falling asleep during their lessons. And they still had other responsibilities they expected them to do, I think, in the kitchen. Yeah, one so of them definitely worked in the kitchen with me. Yeah, I think that was the younger one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was my, that was, I think that's when my heart knew something was terribly, terribly wrong. I already had a check in my spirit about it. If you want to use their terms, it was a check in your spirit if, some, if you felt like something wasn't right. And um, I had already had that feeling for a long time, but that, that incident made my heart go really grieve mm-hmm. because I knew something was really not right. Yeah. Um, so I was editing and I realized that we may not have been clear on a few things with the story of our friend. Maybe it wasn't clear. So we do not know if any abuse happened with our friend. Considering the circumstances, what it looked like, and the allegations made against Mr. Gothard, and the legal case that came forward against Mr. Gothard, to us it looks suspicious that he spent so much time with our friend. It is our hope that there was no ill intentions there and there was nothing that was inappropriate done in those counseling sessions. I have not spoken to that friend. We kind of lost contact. I would never ask somebody, you know, unless they were willing to share with me. So it's nothing that I would be willing to go out to try and confirm. So I just kind of wanted to clear that up and kind of hopefully hopefully that clears that up that based on the legal suit against Mr. Gothard the circumstances surrounding the counseling sessions and um, allegations made against him for inappropriateness abuse and um, molestation we hope above all that she was not one of his victims and um if she ever wanted to share her story or her side of the thing we would always be open to you know even in private talking about it and um you know if she watches us we just want you to know that we love you and we care about you and we would do anything to help you heal if anything did happen you know, if nothing happened, we would be so thankful for that. So, um, just wanted to kind of pop in here editing. I was like, well, that wasn't really clear. You know, it sounds like we're alleging that something happened, but we have no proof. So it's just our observations that we were trying to convey. So I hope that, (laughs) I hope that clears that up. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I wonder if I had been there longer Mm -hmm. Um, because those two girls and I would talk a lot and um, I just absolutely adored them. And I just kind of felt like, you know, kind of a protector for them. Like I just, I wanted to protect them and, um, I sometimes I just wonder if I had stayed longer, what would I have done? Yeah. Because I'm not 
one, like I would have gone up to Mr. Gothard and been like, what is up with this? This is what you teach. Why are you doing this? Like at some point I would have gotten to that point. Cause I mean, I used to, (laughs) I am not one to shy away from like confrontation. And I've (laughs) even like stood up to like my officers in, in the air force. They are just people. That's always how I looked at them. They are just people. They just have a different rank. They have different experience. They got like the officers in the air force, they got a college degree. That's the only difference between them and me. And so I've never been like, Oh no, it's an authority. Well, you know, that's probably why I was, you know, troubled teen too <laughs> but hey look you're standing up for yourself this is what most of us should have been and that's probably a really good perspective that we needed there because at that point all of us had been brainwashed long enough that we didn't know how to stand up for ourselves that way either because we had been in the program as small children or because we had been there at headquarters so long that that we just we were drinking the kool-aid so yeah <laughs> So, I mean, I just, I just wonder, had I been there longer, if I would have been able to figure something out? Mm -hmm. I don't, I honestly speaking, um, as one that was there, if you had done anything like that or tried to advocate for them in any way, you probably would have been on the next bus home. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. So it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been, if you had been able to do anything, it would have been only in small measure. If that makes your heart feel any better. Oh, I, and I, I mean, I know like I couldn't have prevented anything from happening to any of the girls that he, you know, abused, but you know, it just makes me wonder, could I have gotten into somebody's head? Yes. No, I get, I get that. Yes. And then go, oh my goodness, this isn't right. Or if I had known, Mm. I'd been like, we need to get this girl home. Yeah. I've often thought back to that and thought, why didn't I say something or why didn't I do something or why didn't I tell someone like tell a parent or tell another adult that this bothered me so badly. But I think that my conclusion in that was that I didn't know you didn't ever question authority ever. And especially Mr. Gothard, because he was like the ultimate like guru status. You didn't touch that. And and or question him and so that was really outside my realm of thinking anyway mm-hmm. but looking back on it as an adult i grieve that i didn't know to do what what needed yeah. to be done there right and you know and that goes into kind of why we are doing this podcast is because yes. everything that that man put in a publication every word of god that he got every you know, training materials was so he could take advantage of girls. Yeah. And he could brainwash children to Mm -hmm. be able to listen to him, to be his victims. It was a power high for him. Oh, for sure. For sure. And as you said, you know, what, even if you had said something to your parents, their parents. Mm-hmm. The answer would be, well, that's Mr. Gothard. There must be a reason that God put him in that situation to yeah. do that. You yeah. know, and the answer would be God must be working something out. Or exactly. God is, you know, 
they're they're troubled and they need more help, you know, or something. So even if either you or I had said anything, it would have been brushed under the rug anyway. It would have. It really would have. Yeah. Which is what makes it so terribly sad. Because, I mean, the adults, even if they knew that something was going on, they didn't want to upset the ministry and all of the good that the ministry was doing. So they had to make the problem go away, not protect the young girls that were being abused. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the word that comes to mind, one of their watchwords is that Mr. Gothard is above report above reproach, which just means he's not to be questioned. He, he, you know, you just can't question him because he always has good intent, which is the most dangerous of, um, that's what makes this cult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is, is that, um, nobody questioned him. Nobody questioned any of it. Yeah. So, he was just close to God's status. Not that he claimed to be God, but that, you know, that's, he was just so righteous that he couldn't possibly do anything wrong. <laughs> well, it, it was almost like he was prophet status, right? Yes, it, that's exactly what it is. He was prophet status. And that's what how he built himself, too. So even in those staff meetings that we were talking about, when things mm-hmm. really went south, I was talking about that. Um, he was proclaiming himself a prophet of God, that God gave him these visions or God gave him he, the, these words. And that he, it was his job to tell us what God wanted us to do or, or how we were supposed to live or whatever. And these were epiphanies and, and, you know, um, sometimes they called them rhemas. He would get rhemas out of the Bible. Um, so yeah. Yeah. yeah which is like, <sighs> so I mean, like right now, I'm just like, <laughs> I know, right? It's just <laughs> right because you know, it's like that was part of their teaching, like that you had a direct line with God and you didn't need anybody. But then also, but then also, people had these special gifts, and he had the gifts of like prophecy and teaching and stuff that he would talk about, and so. It was mm-hmm. just like, it was almost like, okay, well, I can't get away with it unless I come up with a new thing to do. Yes. I have to get the focus off of what I'm doing and put it on this new teaching. And it was like, it's like if anybody would step back mm-hmm. and like look at it from an outside perspective, yeah, it was like so blatantly clear, mm-hmm. but you know, when, when it's all wrapped up into this package of, if you do these things, if you follow these steps, you will be closer to God. Yes. It is really hard to see the whole picture because you're just going step one, step two, step three, step four. I'm going to get closer to God. Step five, step six, step seven. Why don't I feel closer to God? And then you're in the midst of it and you're like, whoa, how did I get here? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that's a good way to describe it. That's a really good way to describe it. So what, was there a certain thing that I know you said you were there for three months. So was there a, a reason why you left? Like what was the progression of events to, 
to end your time there. So I, because I had a back injury from way back when, and I was having difficulty working in the kitchen. And so um, I asked them to find somewhere for me to work differently for the remainder of my time. And it was, oh, we'll find some place. We'll find some place. We'll find some place. And then I wound up, they like gave me some stupid, idiotic task of like going through mail that re got returned and taking people's addresses off their mailing list. So it's like they created a task for me. Yeah. So, that a lot. <laughs> yeah. It happened a lot. I do remember you say that, saying that your back was hurting and that there was a there was some pain levels there. Yeah. Yeah, I've had back pain my whole entire life. Um, and um, I had real bad sciatica at that time. Um, and it had been exacerbated by my time in the service. And so I actually, I don't remember who it was, but somebody had turned me on to chiropractic treatment while I was there. Uh -huh. And so after I went to the chiropractor a couple times there and then came home and got chiropractic care, I finally got relief from it after a couple of years. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, some good things came out of it. <laughs> so, so small pieces of light, little nuggets. <laughs> so when I went back home, I was in a fundamental church while I was at home. And um, one of the girls from the church called me up and said, hey, we're having a Christmas party. There's a guy that's going to be there. I think he'd be perfect for you. I'm like, okay. And I went to the Christmas party. And six months later, I was married. Six months. I did not realize it was that fast. It was. Met him on December 24th third married on june 28th wow wow i would i mean i i say wow um i was married very quickly too so that makes sense yeah jeremy and i were too but it's working out so far so <laughs> <laughs> well and you're a little wiser now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like, hard jobs makes it easier to make decisions like that sometimes <laughs> we were like we were both like three to five year plan three to five year plan Okay, forget it. My mom goes one day, she's like, well, why don't y'all just get married? And I'm like, sure, why not? Let's do it next weekend. <laughs> why not? Let's do this thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, once my parents were like, yes, we like him. I'm like, okay. Like, okay. okay. We're not. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so that is what got me out of ATI IBLP is because I had met my ex-husband. Ah, uh, okay. And then that whole story of my life started. Cool. Which will bring us into my next episode after we go through Marcy's uh, <laughs> yeah. headquarters experience and uh, working in the ATI IBLP world. Um, so that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've so enjoyed hearing your story. Some of it I knew and some of it I didn't. So that was really awesome. Um, so yeah, that's, that was why I left headquarters and never came back is because I got married. Which is absolutely legitimate ATI reason to, to never come back. <laughs> 
actually the ultimate reason. I mean, that was the ultimate cool. reason. Yes. Yes. I mean, like, that was cool. yes. So, um, so basically all of my dreams just went up in smoke and I will say this, um, we had talked about in one of our episodes about the vows and yes. I remember, I believe it was either the counseling seminar or the, um, advanced thingy. There were a lot of vows in the counseling seminars. Probably. Okay. So it was probably the counseling seminar and I had made a vow to be single for two years. And when I met my ex-husband, I searched and searched and searched and searched and searched for scriptures to get me out of that vow. Yeah. Because it wasn't working for me because I wanted to get married. Yes. Had I stayed true to my vow, life would be different. But mm -hmm. I wouldn't have my kids, so... Yes. Yeah. And, and and I think, you know, I think at 20 some odd years old, it's, you know, really difficult to make vows. And, you know, I, I understand goals and, you know, you want to achieve certain things and working towards those achievements, but understanding that there are things in life that can derail you from those. Yes. Yes, I think I honestly think that the, uh, that many of those commitments and vows that he had people make, um, we did not know what we were doing. No, and um, if if you're doing something like that under just duress, would God really even hold you to that? So, I don't know. That's a theological question that I don't know enough theology to to, to battle, and I probably disagree with the theology anyway. So. <laughs> And if you make a vow under the teaching of a pedophile, is it really valid? Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> I don't know. I think the one way that I got out of it was because the, my parent released me um, from those. And, and then you have to, you know, you have to think like, okay, so that, and, and we'll get this, get into this about my next phase of life story, but the fact that I broke that vow and how my life ended up going after that was very, 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 very difficult for my spiritual walk uh, because I didn't get the fairy tale ending. Okay. Yes. And Did you I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I thought that it was because I broke a vow. Okay. That was going to be my question. Did you think it was because of breaking the vow? Yeah. Well, that's yep. so sad. It had nothing to do with you. And that's so sad that you took all of that on you and thought that that's why you were living that pain when it was somebody else's fault, both his and the ex, Mr. Gothard and the ex, both of them. Yeah. It was both their faults. So I lived with a lot of guilt for a lot of years. And I also allowed myself to go through a lot of pain because I thought it was my own fault. Well, I did this to myself. I deserve it. My goodness, that makes my heart hurt for you. Hmm. I know, it makes me... <laughs> like, if this was somebody else telling me this, I'd be like, 
oh my god that's terrible like it it is but it was the reality of what we were the teaching we were under that was what and that's why we talk about this kind of stuff because those dangerous teachings are what set us up for yes. such damage and such control and yes. it being manipulated in so many different situations because mm -hmm. you desire a relationship with God that they're telling you this is your way to have a relationship with God. So I wholeheartedly agree with you. It, I absolutely believe it. It walked me straight into the abuse that I, that I was willing to tolerate. Yeah. Because it felt normal. Yeah. And so we'll, we will get into Marcy's story of headquarters next episode. Um, one little quick thing. Um, if y'all are listening to this on a podcast, we ask that you just subscribe to a the whatever podcast that what is it called oh my god platform platform we, yes yes <laughs> we ask that you just subscribe to our podcast on whatever podcast platform that you listen to us on we're on spotify we should be on apple if not already soon um google and several others and i'm still working on getting it on every every other platform that i have available uh, we are on YouTube. If you are watching us on YouTube, we appreciate you. Please click that like button. Subscribe if you like our content. Uh, hit that bell notification so you can be notified for the next episode. Um, and we also have a link down to merch, which I am wearing today. Is our, our shirt, our very first shirt. Yes! And it's got the Umbrella Rebellion. Oops. <laughs> rebellion logo and then on the back hopefully you can see this whoops i'm gonna take the butt can you see it yes yes freed from tyranny so um so super cool <laughs> i love it <laughs> marcy and i worked on that for a while and came up with that idea and we just absolutely love it um, we have, I think we have two different options. It's just the Umbrella Rebellion logo on one. Um, you know, if you want to support the podcast, but you haven't been involved and you don't feel like you've been freed from tyranny, but you can also support the podcast with the Umbrella logo, um, Umbrella Rebellion logo on the back. Or if you feel like telling everybody you are now free from the tyranny of these teachings, <laughs> you can get that shirt as well. All right. Thank you for listening to us tonight and joining us. We hope you come back next week and join the rebellion. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Y'all have a great day. Yeah. Nope. Nope. This is, I have to do it without it being like, because <laughs> I totally could have done it two seconds before, but now that I'm reading this and it's all canned. Okay, why is that so hard? I don't know. Why is that so hard? <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so tired right now. I'm slamming. <laughs> <laughs>